0: Welcome everybody to the second episode of the Powder Blue Review presented by Blue Wire Pods. I am your host, Michael Peterson. You can follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks, and you can also find my work at SB Nations Bolts from the Blue. And then, guys, also go on Twitter and follow the podcast Twitter, which is PB Review Podcast. Now on there, I'll tweet uh, a couple things that you guys do like, film breakdowns, I'll do some scouting reports, and, and just videos and content that has to relate with the podcast as well, or the topics that I will be talking about that week or the next week. So go ahead, PB Review Podcast. Now guys, what you can expect from today's episode is a long... Great, great conversation that I have with my good friend Kyle Posey. He's currently the producer over at Niners Nation, which is SB Nation San Francisco 49ers blogging. Kyle used to work for Bolts from the Blue. He actually helped me get started in the writing business, um, and he's doing super well for himself. And he's also a guy who's coaching DBs for um, high school level. He's got a couple guys. I know one guy of his just went to LSU, and he's had some success there. And when you look at his draft stuff, he's really, really good at breaking down defensive backs. So today on the podcast... I ask him about the Chargers draft. And then specifically, we talk a little bit more about Nasir Adderley and is he the perfect fit for the Chargers. And then we go on to play a segment I like to call surge or static, where basically I yell out a player's name who did really well in 2018 or didn't do so hot. And we talk about whether or not that player is going to exceed expectations or surge forward in 2019 or regress slash stay static um, in this upcoming season and then finally I just ask him how does it feel to be able to cover Jason Verrett now that he's gone from being a charger to the San Francisco 49ers same way that Kyle did in terms of the team he covers and just kind of his expectations for Jason Verrett uh, in the Bay Area. So without further ado here is the interview with my good friend Kyle Posey. So I'm here with my dear friend, Kyle Posey, who is currently a producer over at Niners Nation, that is SB Nation's San Francisco 49ers blog. And for some of you guys, you may remember Kyle as a big fan favorite from Bolts from the Blue, but now he's a little bit of a big wig with the Niners and uh, we miss him dearly over here. So Kyle, how's it going?
1: <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm far from a big wig, I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, it might be the, the wrong word. Um, I know you spent some time covering Chargers Wire a little bit. Um, but it's been a good year for you. I mean, you went from essentially, I mean, were you just a contributor at Bolts from the Blue for a bit? And then I know you got this, this you know, magical email all of a sudden, and next thing you know, you're kind of, at least what you've told me, you living a little bit of a dream. Has it been uh, kind of everything you wanted? Yeah, it's definitely
1: been nice. Um, Just having, just being able to do football kind of full-time and not really having that stress of, you know, that eight to five business hours. So I can't Definitely can't complain when my life is predominantly football.
0: I mean, that's kind of the dream for all of us. I know it's for me and, you know, countless other people. So, I mean, it's, it's good to see because we obviously met a couple of years ago and you kind of got me started in all of this. And, uh, you know, I like to think I've grown a little bit. It's great to see where you are. So um, just fantastic. But um, this is a Chargers podcast. So as much as I'd like to talk to you about how you're doing over at Niners Nation, Um, let's get to the topic at hand. So um, you were, I don't want to say you were a Chargers fan. You might still be, but you're all Niners now. But do you have thoughts on the Chargers draft and overall, how do you feel they did? So I think with most drafts, you just have to hit the first
1: two to three picks and they pretty clearly went into a plan that, you know, they had to address some of the biggest needs. And I feel like they did that just with defensive tackle, because if, You remember the Patriots game. It's okay to have just, you know, they played with 70 B's for a lot of the time. And that was more the last month or so of the season. But when you have defensive tackles that just can't either get pressure or get moved, they just got gashed. And that's exactly what happened. Or in the Patriots case, they weren't able to get any sort of interior pressure. So I thought it was pretty clear that they were going to go defensive tackle for a while, and the Tillery pick was not a surprise at all. But he's a good player. He's a pretty good player. He wins a lot. A lot of people compare him to like a Chris Jones type. I've seen that. I've seen that thrown out. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as strong or like as powerful as Jones. But like I mentioned, he wins a lot and that stands for something. So, well, usually when guys win a lot in college, that does transfer. So I can see Tillery doing pretty
0: well. What do you, what'd you feel about? How'd you feel about Tillery? So I actually liked Tillery, um, and I know a lot of people say the inconsistency was there, um, that, you know, he had four of half of his sacks, four of his eight total sacks from 2018 were in the one game against Stanford. Um, but you got to remember, he was hurt. It is a pretty substantial injury, um, that labrum tear. Um, there's a lot of shoulder work that goes into, you know, hand moves and techniques and stuff when you're pass rushing. So I, I get it. But why I was enamored with Tillery was that, I mean, he's a monolithic person. He is a presence that opposing offensive lines are going to have to pay attention to, regardless if he's even taken, you know, a snap in the NFL. The guy is 6'6", just under 300 pounds. Um, and after watching some of the Bears defense this past year, you see a guy like Hakeem Hicks, who's a bit heavier than Tillery, but again, a 6'6", 6'7 guy um, at 340 pounds. And he's just a heck of a player in the middle of that defense, stuffing gaps, stopping the run. And I just saw the success that the Bears had in 2018, and I think Hicks played a a huge role in that success. So for the Chargers to be able to get a guy almost the same size, who offensive linemen, again, have to pay attention to, I think was absolutely huge. And again, going back to the Patriots game, it was rough. I mean, Sonny Michel had three rushing touchdowns. um, And just the game before, you saw the Chargers bring out these seven defensive backs, And somehow still managed to stop the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack that a couple games prior, there was no chance in hell it seemed like they could stop the Ravens, you know, in the regular season matchup that they eventually lost. So, you know, to see that success with the defensive backs, you think, great, we can work something out like Gus Bradley can figure it out and we can still have some success without that interior presence. But then the Patriots being the Patriots showed that's not the case. So for them to get Tillery, I think, was a huge win. But besides Tillery, you said you you want to nail those first two picks. So the second pick was obviously in this year, Adderley, that a lot of people thought was going to go in the first round. Um, a guy who a lot of people thought was a top free safety or maybe just in general the top safety prospect from um, last year. Was that the perfect pick? Like, Was that the Derwin James pick of this year? And just real quick on Tillery, if
1: he can be anything near what Akeem Hicks was last year, like the Bears, who is like one of the mo- one of the more underrated defensive linemen, then the Chargers had a drafted a big time still because Hicks is a stud. But as far as Adler goes, a lot of people, yep, free safety. So and obviously anything other than a die back there is going to be a massive upgrade. I wouldn't say that he's the perfect fit, though. I don't think he. Uh, I think he has a lot to work on, a lot more than people tend to lead on. If we're talking the good part of his game, his athleticism is out of this world. It, it is like if if Derwin James is an elite athlete, like as good as it gets, Adderley is just a notch below that. He ran a four five four, but he pulled up with a hammy. So to that kind of tells you just how how he was moving. You can see that pretty clearly when you watch him, but he still jumps. I think he jumped like over 38 inches and had a, a really good broad jump. So um his athleticism is pretty clear when you watch him play. There's a lot to like. I like I I like his aggressiveness, but at the same time his aggressiveness gets him into trouble. I think there are there are times when I watched him where he is letting a lot of routes get behind him. And that that might be an issue next year. That that's going to be something to keep an eye on to see if you know he kind of he's more disciplined than that, but he can come. His range is unreal. He uh, he can get from the middle of the field to the sideline. He can get from the middle of the field to the backfield, which is a, a big part of free safety that a lot of people don't talk about being able to come down and you know close on those short passes or fill fill the run the alley against the run. So he does a lot of good things. Um, his tackling technique can get better. I feel like there are a if you so, if you were to watch one of the Delaware games, like Adelie's highlight tape is unreal, but the the amount of plays it takes for him to make, like if he made a play on play two, he's probably not going to make another play for like play thirty or play forty two. So there's a lot of plays in between where there are there is some bad film. So I do see how he fell, but I also like I'm I would bet on that type of athleticism and I would bet on his ball skills and just his upside in general. So where where he was selected was it was a pretty solid area and just for what the chargers need just that sort of playmaking ability you know with all the other pieces that they have on defense i it, it is a really good fit yeah how do, how do you feel about early
0: so i definitely like the pick um obviously anything we like we talked about anything uh, besides Jaleel die is a phenomenal phenomenal pick um he does have ball skills and and it's a little more understandable when you when you go back and see that he was a cornerback for the first two years at uh, Delaware. And after his sophomore year, the coaching staff, you know, they needed a safety and Adderley was just that good of a player and that smart of a player that um, he was able to transfer to transition to safety almost flawlessly. Um, he had 11 interceptions um, in his four years at Delaware. Um, as a freshman, he led the team in pass breakups with eight. So I mean, right away, this guy can get his hands on the ball. But I know what you're saying when you're talking about he let some routes get behind him, and I did notice that a bit. And some of them were actually one or two on his highlight reel because he has the makeup speed to catch up to some of these routes that he let behind him, and one or two of his interceptions were the quarterback, unfortunately, just underthrowing the pass. So um, you're definitely right. He does have some things to work on. The over-aggressiveness, unfortunately, is going to come with a player who's mostly known for being a ball hawk. That's, that's understandable. you know, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, and I think that's – kind of a a decent theme with with Adderley's game Um, do you think he starts game one or do you think guys like Jalen Watkins or Rayshon Jenkins challenge him because I know some people thought Adrian Phillips was going to step back in as a safety role but I think that's just too different from what he's good at and so I don't think they're going to pigeonhole him there but does he start game one and who do you think gives him the most challenge um, in terms of winning that starting job
1: so I, I would start him game one. I think Phillips is best at just that little – that role where he was just kind of bouncing around a little bit of everywhere. And I wouldn't put that sort of pressure on Phillips to, you know, be an every-down starter. He's, he seems best as like a junkyard dog kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, he, he he has some room for improvement. I think Outerly's upside is just far and away better than everyone else's. Um, yeah, Watkins, I – Watkins is just, just a guy. I don't think he's anywhere near, you know, the type of player that you would want starting on a championship defense. But yeah, so I'd imagine that Adderley, this is Adderley's job to lose.
0: Yeah. Going forward, I was thinking that looking at at least who they have besides Adderley and James, that um, Jalen Watkins looks like probably the backup to Adderley at free safety and I noticed this. It was months ago, but I didn't realize that Rayshon Jenkins is like 220, 225 pounds all of a sudden. Have you seen that? No, I didn't know. You. So what was it? What was he before? Um, I thought he was just about a 210, maybe 215. I mean, he was a bigger safety when he came out of Miami, but I was just cruising around the uh, the Chargers roster, kind of just checking everybody out. And I'm pulling up here real quick, but I swear that. All of a sudden, I found him and he was like 225 pounds. He might just be 220, but no one knew he was that big. Yeah, Rayshawn Jenkins, 6'1, 220 pounds.
1: Wow. Yeah, maybe maybe he's going to be playing a different role this year. And that, I think that it's pretty obvious what that means, maybe. So if he's going to play in the box more, that does kind of suit his style better. And I know he's he's a pretty good athlete and he played free safety predominantly in college, but the Chargers during his rookie year, they played him just in the slot and he actually fared really well. So that, um, just being able to, if he's able to maintain that size and kind of hold up with you know the physical presence in the box, mm-hmm. that uh, that's an interesting role for him. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to think that after the year Adrian Phillips had as this, you know, nickel-dime linebacker, um, you don't know if they're going to continue to do that because you, you feel like maybe they, they got some more depth at traditional linebackers um, and they did not want to force Phillips to play that role. But, I mean, they had so much success with it. So we'll see if that's something they predominantly keep in the defense. I mean, I believe if they do, Jenkins may end up being another one of those guys behind Phillips Um But I mean, the the defense is all over the place where a lot of people don't have a true position. And I think that's why a lot of the Chargers defense is a little must watch football if you just want to see different unconventional stuff. So I'm kind of excited about this coming year because I feel like there's so many things that fans and people haven't even thought about that the Chargers may still work on. I mean, today I saw someone put up a replay of um the Chiefs game week one where Melvin Ingram dropped to free safety from like he was in the A-gap and then dropped all the <laughs> way back and I totally I guess spaced I can't believe no one's brought it up until now um but they do some crazy stuff so I'm really really excited to see what other you know wizardry comes up from Gus Bradley this season um but going forward so okay we feel Nasir Adeli is probably going to be the game one starter um, if he does win the starting job, plays the whole year, barring any injuries, knock on wood, what are your predictions for his rookie season? Were he to stay healthy the whole time, production wise, pick wise, all that? So
1: in this defense, with all those guys around him, like assuming you know everybody, everybody's healthy, like you said, it is just very tough to not be productive. Which which is why I think I was so tough on a die just because everything is gifted to you like the ball is going to come your way you are going to be able to be a lot more aggressive so um because Adderley is as aggressive as I mentioned he should luck into and and luck might not even be the right word but he's going to stumble into some interceptions that you know I should have had last year if he was just able to do what he's supposed to do so yeah I, I can imagine him having a couple picks and just make just making some highlight real plays other uh, like I mentioned the question is will he be able to be disciplined enough and um just not let these these deeper routes get behind him because I imagine that, like a team like Kansas City especially will try to do everything they can to manipulate him but I, th- I think he's gonna have a, a good he's in a very good situation so we usually when guys that are that athletic and just are able to because he does have he does have range like I mentioned, and. He's able to see the field. So when they when – they, when you have the sort of traits that Adderley has and just his style of play, I can see him being very productive. I'll say two interceptions just because, you know, I'm not going to be like a lot of fans. Everyone wants to say, oh, he'll love five or six. It, that just doesn't really happen for a rookie. But I think he'll be able to make a lot of plays. It might not show up in the stat sheet, but it's going to be just a huge upgrade from what what was at
0: last year. What, what would you say? So – the baseline here, or at least you know, some context, is Jalila Dye, as unsuccessful as he was last season, still was fourth on the team in tackles with 75. He had 52 solo. Um, he did have one sack. Um, I think, I don't know if they gave him that interception that he had and then fumbled away. I'm not sure. Um, I totally forgot that happened. No, I just remember I Oh,
1: my goodness. I did
0: too. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. That just killed the mood. All right. Um, yeah, Jaleel Dye had 75 tackles and I think you're right when you talk about all the players around him, the, the secondary talent, it's going to be hard for everyone not to eat a little bit. You look at these numbers here of the top four tacklers, Derwin obviously led the team with 105, Jatavis had 97 quietly, Adrian Phillips also had 94 tackles and then you got Jaleel Dye, uh, coming in fourth with 75. So I think, you know, 70 to 80 tackles is very realistic for this, uh, Spot for Adderley I mean, you got the pass rush. You got linebackers filling gaps, and I feel like, like you said, the ball is going to come his way. Especially when you play teams that are pass happy like the Chiefs twice a year. Um, people are going to be trying to throw it deep, especially if the Chargers still fail to find some interior pass rush. Passes are going to get off. So I do like your uh, your predictions. I think again, seventy eight tackles. And I'd probably say the same thing, probably about one to three interceptions, three just, you know, maybe he gets a tip pass or something like that. But one or two sounds just about right for him. Um, Going forward again, do you think Adderley can have the biggest impact? He seems like, I mean, obviously he's a rookie, probably has the most streamlined path to a starting position. Um, But if you had to say, let's just let's say Adderley isn't up for this question. It seems almost too easy. Who is your next rookie to make probably the biggest impact his first year in the league, so
1: I wouldn't have said utterly just because, I mean, and I don't want to sound okay. like I'm down on him, but he does have like he does miss quite a bit of tackles, and I don't know if quite a bit is too far, but I think the PFF draft guy had, had him for eight, and I I remember just watching in like the Elon game, it was a cut I saw two where he's just filling the body, he's he's doing his job aggressively, but he's either like diving on a guy or one of the running backs just bounced off of him, so. Like he has some, he does have some parts of his game that he has to clean up, but I mean, it has to be Tillery just because you're, you're a defensive tackle. You're playing with, you know, Ingram and Bosa and you're playing with a bunch of speedy guys that are going to a lot, like on the second level, whether they're blitzing or just creating matchups where you have one-on-one. So, and Tillery wins one-on-one. So he's going to more than likely be very successful as a rookie.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I really like Tillery, um, Maybe you felt my excitement earlier when I was talking about him, but I really do like his presence in the middle of this defense and not just being a huge presence himself, but as a pass rushing presence as well. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation with Kyle to hear a word from a few of our amazing sponsors. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. And we've also got another announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and over-designed. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash Wire to redeem your Razor for $3. We're going to get moving on to our next topic. I know we've been chopping up about these guys for so long, but uh, I really want to get into this next one. And guys, we're going to do a segment called Surge or Static. Now, this is uh, based off a post that I did throughout this past regular season where after each game, I basically just named a couple players and I said whether that week they took a step forward with their game or surged forward. Um, or did they regress or stay static with their play? Um, So I'm just going to throw out some names here, Kyle, and you just kind of tell me right off the bat if you think they're going to be able to repeat some success or continue to um, just kind of be a lame duck uh, this coming season. So number one is Mike Williams, who obviously had a big breakout season. He had 11 total touchdowns, 10 receiving, uh, one rushing. Um, How do you feel about Mike Williams going forward?
1: So I I do believe that he's going to have a similar season just because – Every like his type of production, it wasn't fluky. Like he wasn't getting touchdown. He wasn't scoring off busted plays. He wasn't um, he he wasn't getting garbage time touchdowns. Everything that he was was kind of schemed open, and they they target him in the red zone, and he's a red zone threat. So I can see him could just continue to grow. I think they're going to want more out of him, just on like a down to down basis. Underneath, just be more reliable, which he can be. Uh, but I I do think he will progress.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. Um, the one thing that was kind of crazy uh, was when I went back and looked at his numbers. I mean, he caught a touchdown every four to five catches. I mean, he only had 44 catches on the year. And that's some high efficiency that a lot of people probably think isn't replicable for the foreseeable future. But you are correct. These weren't garbage time touchdowns. They were not, he wasn't racking up yards or doing anything because the Chargers were down, because for the most part, they were in every game or they were leading every game. And then you saw at the end of the season in the Patriots game, where the Patriots, you know, Keenan Allen had the long touchdown, but he then he didn't do too much afterwards. They kind of shut him down. And next thing you know, Mike Williams racked up four, five, six catches, was just kind of raking them in as as the Chargers tried to make a comeback. Um, so it's it's good to see. You are right; a lot of things were schemed open. So I do believe he is going to uh, continue to go forward. Um, moving on, Adrian Phillips. First team all pro as a special teamer. You don't know if the Chargers defense are going to use him in the same way that he was used in 2018. What do you think about his situation? Yeah,
1: I think he has to take a step back just because it feels like there's only one direction for him to go. I thought he was really good last year. I thought he – so he played – even it felt like he played a lot of linebacker even and there he was good. Mm-hmm. He did it. He did a good job everywhere he was, whether it was playing deep, whether it was playing in the box, whether it was a linebacker in the slot. He's just a really smart player, and it seems like just when so when got when that happens for a season, like quote unquote journeyman, it's it's tough to repeat. So um, there's going to be other guys that are going to step up around him, and because of that, I feel like it's going to drag down his production, which. Might not like doesn't mean that he's going to be a worse player, but I don't think he's going to be as productive as he was. How, how do you feel about him?
0: I have to agree as well. Um, I cannot see the Chargers coming out in you know six, seven defensive backs anymore, especially with the signing of Thomas Davis and having Kaiser White hopefully back completely healthy, who was the starting will linebacker last year. But now you have Thomas Davis penciled in there. Um, hopefully, you get Denzel Perryman to stay healthy. There's still Jatavis, they got Drew Tranquil. And the depth is there where I don't think the Chargers need to worry about having to fit, you know, a small linebacker or someone in there. He was super successful in that role ever since he was named to the Pro Bowl. Man, he just had a fire under his ass and you saw it every day, especially in that um, the first playoff game against the Ravens. I mean, there was the interception, there was the fumble recovery. He was just there or everywhere he needed to be, you know, at the most quintessential time. And you're going to regress from moments like that. You just can't be perfect for that long. So I do agree. Uh, third is Melvin Ingram. And again, he had seven sacks last year, which was his lowest mark since 2014 when he only had four. Um, he also had the lowest amount of tackles since he was, uh, or since 2014 as well. So this guy had a couple games where, you know, he wasn't, even, he didn't even show up on a stat sheet honestly, and I know he makes an impact that you can't quantify um, to a certain degree, but how do you feel about Ingram, especially when he had all that time without Joey Bosa to be, you know, the main pass rusher on this team, how do you feel about it?
1: I thought that during the first half of the season, he was as close to, like, just phenomenal as it gets, just for him. I thought that was some of the best football that he's played, and then I don't know if it was him hitting a wall or what happened, but... He did. He did just kind of. What well, I. It's not even a slump. I don't. I don't, wouldn't call it a slump. But that first, those first first like four, five, maybe even six games of the season, he was everywhere. He was. He was just really, really good. And I think that we're going to see that next year, just with Bosa being back and, like I mentioned, now he has help inside, and you'll have another year of Nuosu. So hopefully they get more more help outside of just, you know, those two guys. So I, I it, he just kind of wore down from carrying the load because he, they did ask him to do a lot of things and he did them all very well. So I do think that he is actually going to take a step up and go to more of the 2017, 2016, where he was racking up sacks and just super productive. So yeah, I, th- I think he's really good. I don't, I don't see why he would take a step back. How do you, how do you feel about it?
0: So, I don't want it to be, you know, a bias at all, but I do feel like he's going to take a step forward. It, I think, he's just too good of a player to continue to regress like this. Um, I agree with you that he was all over the place. He may not have been racking up um, tackles or anything like that, but his presence was felt for sure. I mean, it's, he probably played a big role in, you know, how Isaac Rochelle still notched five sacks and Derwin getting his sacks, and a lot of these other guys who were reaping the benefits, probably because Melvin Ingram was taking attention away from them. Um, he's, he took all the time he's worked so hard to transform his body from, you know, when he came into the league, he was about 265 pounds. Um, he was still a little bit more of a tweener and now he's, he's a pure pass rusher who's still uber athletic and can do all kinds of things that the coaching staff wants him to. So I, this is just me having faith that he's going to kind of get back to form, especially with a defense a little more normal with Bosa, not missing, you know, two thirds of the season. Um, so here's to that. Uh, next is Hunter Henry, obviously missed the whole season, could have played in the last game against the Patriots, but you know, no real point in that. Um, do you think he's going to come back at form? Is he just going to be all right? Is he going to have a Keenan Allen resurgence? You know, that kind of coming off two bad injuries, he's just going to pop off. How do you feel about the young tight end?
1: So real quick on Ingram from week Mm. 10 on, he had one and a half sacks and he had two QB hits. From weeks one to week nine, he had uh, six, eight, ten, 12, 14, 13 QB hits from week one to nine, and one, two, three, four, four and a half sacks, five and a half sacks. So he was just a completely different player. It's definitely a tell of two seasons. That that's odd, mm-hmm. man. That's really strange. But as far as Henry goes, Henry, I I would hope that they use Henry like they use. Williams where and by that I mean they're just like milking him just using everything every part of his you know big frame receiving ability to make plays in the red zone when it's time to score yeah Henry was really good he's always been really good just for what the Chargers need to just like that threat over the middle of the field he, he's he's really tough to cover so if he's healthy he, he might mess around and beat I don't I, I he's not going to be better than Keenan Allen but he uh, he'll mm. be in the he'll be in the conversation for one of the better the better the best receiver on the team. That's for sure. I think very no, also, I agree. I just think very highly of him. So I, I I don't. Every time I watch him, he just does something good.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And what was so terrible about his injury? Obviously, was coming before the first season where everyone thought, okay, it's the Hunter Henry show gates like he's on the team but he's nowhere near the gates of old so you finally thought this was henry's time to shine um and unfortunately you know we didn't get to see that so that's why 2019 has such you know high standards but going back to his first two years um 16 17 he had you know 81 total catches through the two years uh just over a thousand yards receiving and 12 touchdowns. And that's pretty insane as well. So you talked about similar to Mike Williams. Well, his efficiency is similar to Mike Williams. I mean, he doesn't have to catch a lot of passes to, to make a a big impact on the game. Um, And, you know, you've got Virgil green, you've got Sean Culkin are the two tight ends behind him. If they don't bring Gates back for another, you know, go around, there's no reason Hunter shouldn't just eat up targets. And, like, I don't think Mike Williams is going to be pelted with targets in the same way Keenan is. So, um, you can probably take Tyrell Williams, you know, catches and targets and, you know, maybe they're not going to, I don't, I still don't think they're going to use Benjamin too much. So I still think there's so many targets in that offense that Henry can still suck up and possibly be, um, the second leading receiver on the team behind Allen. I, I really think that's realistic. Um, but as of right now, we got to hope for the best. Uh, let's see Casey Hayward. Is next now. Eleven interceptions in sixteen and 17, zero interceptions in two thousand eighteen. Although guys like PFF and some other metrics still said that he was one of the best corners in the league, he still had zero takeaways, especially in a secondary that you know calls himself the Jack Boys. They have all this swagger; um, they want to be you know the best playmakers, the best secondary in the league. How do we view Hayward after a year where he puts a goose egg in the interceptions department?
1: Yeah, that is tough because. Hayward has since he came out of Vanderbilt, he was known as like having unbelievable ball skills. And he's shown that every year he's been in the league. But last year he, he I think I forgot what the tre- like the splits and the trends was, but it was after a certain amount of game, I think it was after week six or excuse me, week six, he was one of the better corners in the NFL, just from like a success rate stance. So he, mm-hmm. he those metrics were right. He was very, very good. And he did a good job. He did do a good job of limiting like the yards after catch. He was he was up there, the, like the yards per pass. He was up there. So like a lot of his a lot of his stats were really good. He just didn't get to take the ball away. Um, I mean, he he also last couple of years he's had some gifts. Let's not act like that didn't happen. But mm-hmm. I can't imagine a Casey a season where Casey Hayward plays and he doesn't get an interception. He's just he is just too good for that to happen. So. Um yeah, he's gonna he's going to be better in the stat sheet that might not mean he's going to be as good a corner, which is tough and he is get, you know whenever a corner gets a year. Old. how old is is he 30 yet? I know he's getting closer. I think
0: he's turning 30 this year.
1: Yeah yes, yeah, so he'll be 30 in check. September so um and and he's he's so smart that he's never been able to like he's never been the guy that relies on athleticism. So I don't think that will, you know, just hold him back at all because he's just so – like he's one of the most aware corners in the league just as far as reading quarterbacks and just understanding what the receiver is going to do. So Hayward's another guy, man. It's so so fun to watch that. It's tough to say much that it's bad about him. And you, you know somebody's good when they give up like a catch or they like something happens that usually doesn't and everybody just turns on them. And that happened quite a bit last year, which is funny because he's he's playing really well. But if he gives up one, like, 15-yard comeback, oh, he's the worst ever. But, um, yeah, I think Hayward's going to be really do really well. I imagine just getting Bosa back for an entire season will help that as well. I mean, you can't miss out on one of the best defensive players in the league and not
0: expect it to affect the rest of your defense. That's just naive and ignorant. Yeah, you're totally correct on that. Because if you go back to 2017, that was the season that both Melvin Ingram and Joy Bosa went for over 10 sacks. And you still had other guys wreaking havoc as well. Um, so you're correct. It's I think the secondary is going to eat when this pass rush kind of comes back to form. It, I mean, the, the team started 0-4, so things weren't looking bleak in 2017. But when that pass rush started getting after them and the secondary started taking advantage, it was almost like clockwork. And some of those games that got close... Um, in 17 usually it was the secondary who came out from a big play usually it was bosa you know whether he was crushing Derek carr or getting after someone else um, picks were happening and it was turning the tides of some of these games and i think it was a big reason why they ended up nine and seven in uh, anthony lynn's first season so you're right if bosa's back ingram kind of returns to form and if guys like jerry tillery step in and you know have their presence felt from the get-go I think there's some big things that can happen and especially as good as Hayward is, if we're going to talk about regression, he's, I think going to, you know, regression to the mean, he's going to go up from here. There's no way. I don't think he gets another season of zero interceptions. I think there's just no way, but staying on the topic for our final surgery static. We're sticking with cornerbacks. Um, It's Michael Davis and Trevor Williams. So I'm throwing out these two because in 17 Trevor Williams was pretty good. He was PFF's 10th rated cornerback. Um, He was one of the highest, rated uh what was the rating it was like playmaker rating so I think it was something based on you know big time plays in certain situations some formula that that created he was number five in the entire league so he was good but then he kind of became uh he he got into Anthony Lynn's doghouse somehow before 2018 and really didn't see the field too much lost his starting job and then Michael Davis who's a former undrafted free agent as well from BYU kind of long lengthy speedy cornerback started most of the games I think he had nine starts in 2018 so you have these two guys and Lynn recently said at a press conference it's going to be between those two as of right now who do you like more who do you think is going to win the starting job
1: that man that's such a tough question because the difference in play and cornerback charting this is something that I've done for a few years the difference, it's so fickle from year to year. There's just, that's what makes like a Casey Hayward who he is. That's what makes like a Jalen Ramsey or a Patrick Peterson who they are. Because Trevor Williams here, I'll, I'll just read you his stats. Trevor Williams, 2018, he he gave up 10.3 yards per pass. That was good for 163 in the NFL. His success rate was 32%. That is terrible. That is good for 177th in the NFL. Um, He gave up his average air yards in in coverage was 12, which is good for 100. His yak, which is, again, anything over two is bad. He gave up over four yards um, after the catch, which is 107th in the NFL. Just His 2018 was one of the worst seasons just for a guy that plays as much as he did. But in 2017... He was really, really good. So his yak in 2017 was 2.1. So he it was he literally gave up two more yards in yak. That's nuts, man. Um, his air yardage he ranked 34th. He was ranked 34th. His success rate was from going from 32% to 59%, which is good. Like anything over 55 is 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 pretty good. You want to be over 60, but he was at 59, which is really good. Um, Yards per pass, he was, I think, six point six, which again, it's just the difference in from year to year, man. I don't know if it wasn't if the injury really got him and then he just lost all his confidence. But man, he uh his 2017 was really good and 2018. that you would you would think that he's cut material. So he has the tools, he has he has the experience. And I don't think that um Michael Davis I don't, something is missing with him. I don't know if it's, I don't think he does a good job of finding the ball. Um, He, he, like, he's a fine athlete, but there's just, there's too much to his game that is missing that I would say, Um, just from a versatility standpoint. So if they're both healthy, I would say Williams, even after his last year, just because I think he gives them a better chance than Davis. I don't know what Davis does well enough to earn him to be a starter other than he played better than Trevor Williams in 2018. But if that, if you're basing it off of 2018, who didn't play better than, than Williams? So I, I still think, um, I still think Williams will bounce back just because he has, he's a better athlete. Um, he knows how to find the ball. He, he's, I think he does a better job of being in position than Davis. And he's, he's better down the field. The further, the further down the field, the routes go, the worst Davis is and that's never a good thing for a cornerback what
0: um how do you feel so I'm obviously hoping for uh a Trevor Williams comeback season it's it's weird to take a step back and obviously the secondary has been good the last couple of years but it's weird to to take a step back and if you take out Hayward and you take out Desmond King that the team is left with just a bunch of undrafted free agents at cornerback um it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing because this team has such a good job of uh, finding diamonds in the rough as as free agents, but it's kind of tough because if, if Hayward goes down and King's predominantly obviously the slot guy, you're kind of in trouble. So at this point, you gotta hope Trevor Williams comes back to form. You gotta hope Michael Davis takes some strides. Um, I know a lot of people thought the team should have taken a cornerback at some time in the draft, but um, they really like their guys. They do. They like Fassi San as a depth piece. They brought in a veteran in Jeff Richards, um, who all kind of fit that 6'2 plus mold um, of cornerback that Gus Barley loves so much. Um, but if I had to pick, I'd probably say Trevor Williams as well. Based on Anthony Lynn and what he had to say recently at a um, a post OTA conference, was that the change of direction with Trevor Williams was night and day difference. He says he looks super athletic. Um, And I guess I didn't realize that Williams was injured a bit in 2018. That kind of hampered him uh, besides, I guess, being in whatever doghouse that I kept hearing about throughout the season. Um, But it sounds like Williams is on the fast track to be an impact player again. And as far as I'm concerned, he's done it before and Davis hasn't. So we know what Williams can do. He's done it before he's been an impact player. So I got to hope he gets back to form. Would you have drafted a corner? Uh, yeah, this draft was so weird and I thought that it was super top heavy and there were some good people in the middle round and then I thought it flatlined again. So when it came to corners, some good ones did drop. So if there were, we were to get, who was it? Was it Greedy Williams who fell to the third? Uh, I thought the Browns took him in the second round. Okay. I know there were some people who fell a couple rounds, like maybe not some of those top guys like Greedy Um, But there were some decent corners that fell. So maybe, you know, if there was a corner in the fifth that was somewhat decent, fell a little bit. Yeah, but I like the players they took early on. Um, I think at the time, maybe I would have preferred one in the third over Trey Pipkins. And we'll we'll see what Trey Pipkins becomes in a year or two. But I think if Pipkins fails to be something in the first year or two, then it's going to look a lot worse. The team didn't capitalize on a cornerback that possibly fell all the way to the third. Um but you know what? They've had such success with undrafted free agents. Let's give it one more year. Let's see what they can get out of Davis or Williams. And then, uh, you know, we might be talking about cornerbacks a lot next season before the draft. Uh, one
1: last thing on corner. So Des King said that he's been working outside more. Do you think that they roll with him? And maybe we see the bulked up Jenkins in the slider, um, Adrian Phillips in the slot as the corner. Could that be the plan?
0: I would be very surprised if the plan was to put King directly outside. Like, that's how they break game one. You know, it's Hayward and and, and King and then somebody in the slot. I would just be so surprised because I thought the whole point of Desmond King's fall in the draft was due to the fact that he doesn't have good long speed. He got exposed by guys like Cooper Cup at the Senior Bowl a little bit. Um, I just don't think his type of athleticism, his type of skill set, is the best at an outside corner. I think he can be taken advantage of. You know, I don't think he's too good in press, but I think he's just an incredible athlete in terms of short yardage. And that's why he works in the slot. He's able to he's super smart. He's able to read what's coming to him, what's going away. And he's so good at being able to jump. On routes, And I know a lot of his passes uh, are picked off passes, especially against the Browns. He had two of them that I think in the uh, pick six he had against the Seahawks were kind of the same thing. He's able to read these underneath routes and get a step on those balls and and make these big plays. And I think he's too dynamic and too much of an impact player in the slot for the team to really think they can't find another cornerback to, you know, not give up a bunch of touchdowns opposite Hayward and able to keep King in the slot. So my hope is they don't do that. But if they did, I'd, I'd definitely be interested to see why and obviously how he performed in the first couple games. Yeah, I right. don't, I don't think
1: that it would be – I didn't, I don't think that that would be the right move either. And Lane actually came out and said that early on how, um, you know, Des was getting kind of exposed in practice when he, they put him outside and they really haven't moved him outside. And that's for a reason, just like you said, so – um, just, just a thought. I, I just, I wonder if they play around with it in preseason against like other teams and see how it looks. But uh, that's all.
0: All right. So just to wrap things up. Um, so you took over the the Niners Nation job, and the the ers just happened to take a swing at former Chargers cornerback, first round pick Jason Verrett, and. We know just how good Jason Verrett can be. He went to the Pro Bowl, I think it was back in 15. Don't quote me on that, 15, 16. Um, We know he's a hell of an athlete, but the guy just cannot stay healthy. Real quick, how do you feel about having Verrett now um, with the Niners? You get to cover him for um, hopefully a few more years, and hopefully he has some success. But just how do you feel about Verrett in general uh, joining the Niners and his future? So,
1: yeah, easy guy to root for, hoping that he stays healthy. The 49ers are counting on him to stay healthy, which is probably not the wisest decision. But like you mentioned, man, when he was on the field, he's as, as good as it gets in the NFL. He's like feisty, he's such a pain in the ass. And he's like one of the better athletes too. So technique, athleticism, and being able to find, not only find the ball, but take the ball away. He's, he's a special player. But again, if you can't play, that doesn't really matter. So um, I, I'm pretty excited just to watch training just one-on-ones him against Dante Pettis, like that'll be so much fun and um, I th- he he mentioned that he, one of the reasons that he took the 49 went to the 49ers is because their confidence in the training his confidence in the training staff and they kind of sold him on how you know they the 49ers have been hit pretty tough with injuries pretty hard with injuries over the last couple of years and how you know they can help Brett so I think he's on I think he's going to play come training camp hopefully man, he's good to go. Hopefully he, he returns to a pro bowl. And not just because I'm covering the 49 It's just because, you know, he, I want him to do well. He's from that area. So yeah, really hoping it's, it's a reunion tour and he gets his career back on track because he's still really young.
0: Yeah, I hope the same. Um, I really liked him. Obviously when he was healthy, he was tons of fun to watch. It's, it's still fun to kind of look back at some of the highlights from his pro bowl season and see, just the type of athlete that he was, man. He had some springs. He had some click and close speed. And it's crazy to, to then remember he's like five, nine. So not even the tallest or biggest corner, but played so well. And I think you put up some highlights. I believe it was, you put up some highlights of him against Antonio Brown several years ago. I think it was that Monday night game. Um, and he had some, Heck uh, just some pass breakups and, and some passes defended that were absolutely insane. That usually you see Antonio Brown, you know, break the ankles of some co- uh cornerback and and go running for a touchdown or a big gain. And and verrett just wasn't letting him do anything, honestly. And, and I felt like I hadn't seen anyone do that to Antonio Brown, especially in the last couple of years. So um best wishes, yeah, to verrett Really hope he returns to form. Um definitely an easy guy to root for, like you said. Um, but man, this is, I, we could do this all day, but I, I'm looking at the timer and it's, uh, you know, we've been running for a bit. So uh, Kyle, I'm going to let you go here. Um, really appreciate you stopping by. This was a ton of fun, um, just an absolute blast. But um, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you, Twitter, social media, and all that good stuff. Yeah, man, if you guys want to
1: follow me, I would not recommend it, but KP <laughs> underscore show on Twitter is where I will be. Talking about all the good things like Netflix, what type of foods are actually bad, despite what other people say, and all the other random stuff that comes through my mind.
0: It's not a bad follow, guys. I promise. He's a little self-deprecating. You no, know, gotta love it. So Kyle, <laughs> once again, thanks a ton for stopping by, um, and we'll talk here soon, all right? Thanks, man. Take care. So that was Kyle Posey, and guys, I just want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Powder Blue Review. Uh, be sure to stop in next week for episode three. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star rating. Um, this has been Michael Peterson. You can go follow me on Twitter at Tracks and follow all my work at SBNationsBoltsFromTheBlue.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.